real men are going to take that Civic Center apart, and then we're all going to be over at Rodeo, woo, driving the women wild. Miami Beach, get ready. Woo. We are doing, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. But one time I wrestled a giraffe to the ground with my bare hands. I've been called the songbird of my generation by people who've heard me. Honey, do you think KFC's still open? What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, associate editor of RedRaiderSports.com. Joining you from the good old LBK, and joining me, as always, from Houston is recruiting analyst Matt Clare. And uh, got here to to the bye week finally. The good old uh, the 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 good old uh, I guess first rest marker. I guess you would on the trail of the season. The old pit stop. Going to pull over and take a break here. You know, since it's the bye week, so. Uh, I guess, uh, first off, Matt, how you doing, man? How's uh, everything going this week and uh, everything like that? Doing well. Staying busy, uh, trying to keep up with these kiddos. But, uh, you know, good to good to see the guys get back with a win, 2-1, and one, going into the bye week, like you said. You know, week four, is it, is it really a bye week or are you just kind of waiting to, to get back on the field? So uh, we'll, we'll see. But I think it I think it is good timing for, for with, I guess, what you have going on with the defense and mm-hmm. what you're trying to figure out going into conference play. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, it, you know, you're two and one and, and now you're going to play Kansas. You got to feel uh, pretty good about that. But they get some rest this week and, uh, you know, go from there. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of come out of the gate next Thursday, how these kids kind of handle the bye week, because it's it's one of those interesting deals where it's not a full bye week because they play next Thursday, so they really kind of get three quarters of a bye week where uh, the team got, let's see, today's Wednesday, yeah, they got today off, and they're getting Friday off, but then they come back on Saturday and start their game week instead of Monday since you move everything up two days. So uh, it will certainly be interesting, but like you said, we'll be good to see what the defense can do, and if the offense can keep pace, all stuff we're going to talk about on the podcast tonight. But uh, with it being the bye week and seeing as there's a little bit of recruiting news going on, we wanted to first talk a little bit about the newest commit for the old Red Raiders, and that would be running, I guess, junior college running back from from Riverside, which has been, uh, uh, I mean, a place where Texas Tech has gotten a handful of guys over the years whenever you think back to it. So they get uh, Tyree Range, who's a guy that, has been recruited by Deshaun Foster now since he was in high school. Whenever you know Foster was out at UCLA, knew who he was, and and just kind of an interesting deal where uh, they get a big kid at, at running back and 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 really like the commit. Think he's a kid that was getting some interest from LSU and some other schools. So I don't think that uh, I, I don't think this is a kid that's not talented. I, and in fact, I think he's very talented. Like I said, a very different change of pace back as a as opposed to anything Tech has on campus. So uh, what's just kind of your thoughts on, on range, Matt? I know you've talked to him quite a bit, and interesting seeing how this kind of uh, how this kind of came to be here over the last month. Yeah, no, definitely interesting. I think, you know, we first uh, introduced range to, uh, to our readers back in uh, the beginning of May, and, you know, everybody has their, their connotations for – uh, junior college players and what that may or may not mean to your program, but I, I guess I wouldn't characterize range as your typical junior college yeah, player. Me 
Um, you know, he didn't go to JUCO because of grades or because of lack of offers. He had a he had a bad in, knee injury, had some offers, you know, I guess pulled or you know became non-committed or committable, if you will, once his his knee was hurt. So um, he he decided to instead of taking some of the the offers that were there. Um, he decided to take the JUCO route, and he he took a gray shirt to fully recover his knee, and now he's going to come to a college campus with four years to play three. So uh, I just think, you know, looking aside from that, you know, you had a kid that was productive in high school. He's 6'1", 225, and that's just something that you simply you just don't have on this roster, like you had said. So I just think that should be point A. And then from there, I mean, it's it's what it's it's basically what I've written about. You don't take uh, a junior college player unless you, you know, don't believe that they can provide immediate right. depth at that position or help improve that position right away. That's the goal every time you take one. You know, this uh, this young man's going to have longer to to you know make his mark and improve that. But I think if you look a couple years ahead, you could have a, a very very versatile running attack. And like you said, it's mm-hmm. something that they're building toward. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I like the pickup, uh, but again, I'll go back to it and say, there's a reason that some of those stereotypes, some of those things that exist, I mean, with sure, Jucos, you never know what you're going to get. And, you know, another item is, you know, you mentioned LSU. I know he told me that Syracuse and Georgia have been talking with him recently. Uh, we, we went through with this, with Derek Willies, right? I mean, we yep. said, Oh well, you know, I guess we beat UTSA and you know somebody else, and then all of a sudden he's taking a visit to Oklahoma, and Willie's had like thirty offers. <laughs> yeah, Georgia's offering whatever else. So I mean, JUCO, you can never predict these things. I mean, it's what probably week still week three, four, maybe even five for some JUCOs. But, week four, uh, four, five, yeah. Yeah, these kids usually, unless it works out perfectly, they they can't really take their official visits till December, and some of them really don't start getting real offers until then either. Um, and another thing too is, is he said he would graduate in May, but a lot of that's contingent on getting these extra credits. So at this point in time, that's another thing that's certainly not set in stone and something that you have to look at when, when recruiting kids from that level. But the same would be true in terms of four uh, years to play three. And, uh, like I said, going back to, to the main point is that he gives you something you don't have on this roster. Coach Foster's known him for three years, so yes, you have to trust his evaluation. And, and from what you see right now, yes, you know, you like the. We'll talk about it a little bit more here in the podcast, but you like what you saw from Felton. But that still doesn't mean you have a bigger back who can come in and mm-hmm. get some short yardage things. You know, maybe even you know. I know a lot of folks talk about the blocking aspect of that. I mean, all these things are important, especially when you find a good quarterback and, and you want to keep him on his feet and you know extend plays. So. Uh, all all around, I, I I give it a thumbs up. But uh, again, it's uh, it's end of September, so we'll see what happens later this uh, later this November and December. Yeah, for sure we will. But but I'll say the thing that's the most encouraging, and I think that's the reason that you trust the decision for the take here is is like you pointed out, Deshaun Foster's known him since he was you know a senior in high school, and and has really built a relationship with him over that time, and always kind of kept tabs on him. So I think that says a lot about both what Foster thinks about him, you know, obviously as a player, but as a person. And, and like you said, it's not the usual junior college route where, you know, he didn't have his grades or he didn't have things in order, just had a bad injury and and wanted to, you know, take the extra gamble to see if he could kind of parlay that into, you know, some bigger things down the road and certainly has. And uh, 
really excited to see what a, a guy like that will look in, in this offensive text because I wrote about it earlier, you know, to, I, I guess yesterday when you guys hear this, I wrote about on Wednesday uh, in my column about it just seems like from what they've been recruiting here in the last two, three classes that Tech is, and this kind of goes back to Kingsbury and I think his days under kind of Belichick and learning the game plan offense from him where you want to try to make your offense as versatile and as varied as you can. And the one real big element that, that this, you know, air raid offense and a lot of air raids are missing is a true blue, you know, power running game. And one where you can get the tough yards, one where you can chew clock if you want to. That, that's just kind of the one the one thing you're missing. And I just think there are so many signs that point to that's what he's trying to do here, that, that Cliff and these coaches are trying to do here. Because obviously you look at, at a kid like Range, 6'1", 225. Then you look at the 2018 running back commit and Stanley Hackett, who's a Rivals 100 kid who is 6'3", you know, just under 200 right now. And, and both those guys are downhill physical runners that – have good vision and can cut and have some speed to them that I think you don't suspect. So uh, really interested to see what those guys do. But I think even when you look at the offensive line recruiting, whenever you look at guys like Madison Akamnanu, Terrence Steele, uh, Justin Murphy, those guys all came from offenses in high school that were power running offenses. You know, they weren't, you know, spread offenses. They didn't do a lot of pass blocking. Uh, and I think that's just what you see. And then you look at, you know, two other guys you have currently committed in, in Dawson Deaton and, Jack Anderson, and I mean, they run a triple option wishbone offense. I, I just think that, that you look at that, and then you look at, at, at the outside receivers and the size of all those guys that, that they've been adding, uh, all the dual threat quarterbacks they have. I, I just think everything points towards you're trying to run the ball more, and I think that you're trying to come up with new ways to do it, and you're just trying to get more physical in the trenches, and, and that's just what I kind of see from, from my perspective. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think that uh... – you know, I think after three games, they, they looked at it. And um, I think the one thing we've forgotten to talk about, you know, with the lead here, I mean, with recruiting, it's all it's opportunity, it's timing, right? Yeah. So Hawker, uh, Hawker decides to take the offer from A&M. The coaches look at the numbers and decide, okay, well, we still have plenty of uh, talented linemen in this class. Which and a lot we'll of them are going to enroll early too. So yeah, which we'll get to in a minute. But still, um, you know, this this opens a scholarship, if you will. And when they're going back to the drawing board, maybe it's a situation where uh, Foster kind of you know beat the table for his guy, or he just you know won over Kingsbury after a while by just convincing him, hey, you know, we could really benefit from a kid like this. And look, I mean, he's got a Cal offer. He had offers out of high school. Um, he was, uh, you know, he's a, a talented kid and, and there's plenty of time for these other offers to come through. I, I think that a lot of people might be slow playing this commit, but it's far be it for me, a person who's never seen him and has seen the same tapes that you guys have to tell you he's, he's more than he is right now, but, right. um, it's just something that you don't have here. And even if he ends up becoming a huge blocking, um, you know, uh, backfield mate with a, another scat back type, uh, whether that's a Dolphin or a Ward, um, you've got to look, like I said earlier, two years ahead and feel pretty good about the, the variety that the coaches will have available just at the position alone. For sure. And I, I think that's something that people are like, well, why are we taking, you know, a, a Juco running back when we have all these guys, you know, on the roster already that are still going to be here for the next couple of years? Well, you're taking him because he's, he's a different different animal than what you have. Because all the guys you have on, on campus right now, 
are all, you know, not necessarily undersized, but smaller kind of water bug, you know, catch and, and run guys that, that are are really built for spread offenses and built for speed. You don't you just don't have any big physical bruisers that you can kind of do much with. So so I just kinda of think that's the, the direction of the offense and excited to see where they go with it and what they decide to really kind of morph this thing into because you've, you'll see even now on third and short, second and short, Kingsbury will go into these under center uh, wingback, fullback formations. And, I mean, they'll run the ball, they'll throw the ball out of that. And, and that's kind of been one of the most interesting things to me over the last few years. So, again. Well, just just one note while we're, while we're on it, Will. I mean, all this kind of stemmed from uh, Coach Foster coming out there and, and, and coming to see him this week because of the bye week. Right, yeah. And and here we are talking about the bye week. Um, that's just something to keep in mind. I mean, Coach Patrick, uh, Coach Hayes, Coach Morris, every coach you can name is probably going to be out at, at high school games. Uh, I know that you and I had received a text last week that Coach Patrick and Coach Morris were checking out. What was that, Lubbock Cooper versus Yeah, it was, it, it was Cooper and Weatherford. Right, and so Weatherford's got a big defensive tackle uh, with a, a handful of, of D1 offers, and I know he's had interest from Texas Tech. So, I mean, obviously they got to see him in person, so we'll see what happens there and, and follow up with him. But you're going to just see more of that with different position coaches going to different places. And, you know, quite honestly, now they've uh, they've kind of broken the, 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 the JUCO uh, out, if you will, by, by taking uh, range. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you don't know they they might be able to take a, a another couple guys on the defensive side if if they see some particular needs, um, but I think traditionally we'll see them wait for that transfer period. Uh, but just like last year, I mean, you you had a whole class full of high school guys, and then you ended up with two receivers and a defensive tackle. So I think you just have to look at positions of need. I would argue that running backs not. I mean, I see where people are coming from. That's not necessarily a position of need, but you just look for guys, like I said, that can help impact that position group right away. And with for his sure. size, if he can come in and grasp the offense, which again, it's similar to what they do at, at his current program at Riverside. Um, that that I think you know you can see some new wrinkles, some new things, and. Uh, you know, I saw somebody bring up a good point. If Quentin White's leaving after this season, you need that bigger guy in there that's blocking on some of these formations and some of these calls. Yeah, you absolutely do. And you're, I think that's just going to be something you keep shifting more towards where, like I said, you just kind of make this offense as big of a chameleon as you possibly can. And, and as you pointed out, Matt, he, he's not just another running back because I think we can get so binary whenever we look at things where it's just what it is. Like, it's either that or it's this. Right. But, and, and he's not. He, he's an impact, a player that impacts you differently than anybody else you have at, at running back. I think the best way to look at it is, you know, you can have a ton of receivers, but if you only have a bunch of small receivers, you're missing a part of the game. Like, you know, they kind of were – in 2013, or I guess not 2013, but in 2014 and parts of 2015 where you just didn't have any big outside receivers you could just throw it down the field to. And I think this is kind of the similar vein, but at running back. So, uh, so yeah, excited to see uh, what kind of comes of it with range and, and, and ready to learn more about him and see what all he kind of does uh, this fall. But but like you said, Matt, too, you know these coaches obviously out on the road for the bye week, and being that it is the bye week, those guys are doing that and, and getting some things in this week, tweaking some things, and uh, no football for us this weekend. So uh, since there's not a game, we wanted, and since we've kind of been talking to somebody from uh, the, the the opposition, I guess you'd say, every single week and, and interviewing them about the team, 
uh, we decided to, to bring it on back home and, and, and bring it on uh, for a little home cooking and, and to talk to uh, our boy Chris Level, you know, publisher of Red Editor Sports, and uh, you guys talked to him for a couple minutes, Matt. So uh, we just wanted to talk to him about his thoughts on the season from his point of view as a guy that does the sideline radio broadcast for uh, Red Raider football. So, uh, so yeah, Matt got to talk to Level for a few minutes, and uh, here is that interview. All right, this week on the Victory Bells podcast, it's, bi- it's bye week, so we decided to keep it in-house here instead of having a guest join us like we have from La Tech, Arizona State, NSFA. And here in week four of the bye week, we have our publisher, our, our leader, uh, Chris Level. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, thanks, man. Enjoying a little downtime in a crazy time of year. Yeah, I heard you headed to baseball practice. What's fall? What's the, what's that, what's that setup like? No, we're yeah, we're doing we're going to football practice, but yeah. Oh, football. Uh, yeah, football. Yes. So we finished oh. up baseball about two weeks ago, and now we're into football. So yeah, never stop. You'll get there at some point when those uh, young people grow up. I know it. I know it. Well, so you know, the idea for this week was you know it's a bye week, right? So three weeks into it, uh, it's it's been a bit of a coaster ride so far. Uh, but but you you do this every day. You're on the sidelines on the weekends too. So. You know, other than diving right into the tech stuff, I know, you know, at night and, and throughout the week you, you talk about Big 12, you talk about college football. So what have been some of your big takeaways from, you know, either just the Big 12 or just college football in general that maybe you were like, you know, I was wrong about that or, hey, that surprises me? Well, I mean, I, I think we we are probably all surprised at how, you know, uh, mediocre or down the league is. I mean, t- tell me who the favorite is. Tell me who the – you know, I mean, there's just not a clear-cut favorite. And I, I think that while there's a lot of gnashing of teeth, and I understand it, uh, here, you know, about the Red Raiders and defensively, I mean, show me show me the good defense in the league. There's just not really one to speak of right now. And there's not a huge body of work yet for a lot of folks. And, yes, competition plays into it. But I'm not willing to excuse Oklahoma and Texas's poor defensive performances away based on who they played because – they're Oklahoma and Texas, for goodness sakes. They, they right. get whoever they want, you know. So th- that part I've been surprised at. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it, here locally, I think, uh, you know, with, with, with the Red Raiders, defense is not as, as good as I had hoped early on, especially now that you're dealing with a few injury issues. But I, I've been surprised at how, how good the offense has been. But I've also been surprised at how – there's not that many fans that are wanting to enjoy it or appreciate it because they're more worried about, you know, defense and, and some of those things. But I, I think I'm making sense there. It's just, I just don't think people realize what you have in Pat. And, and I think that some are not choosing to enjoy it, him at all right now. I mean, I, th- I think, I think at, uh, at some point in time, maybe we all were, because I, I know after game one, when they threw out the, I think it was maybe I'm making this up, but six or seven straight games of scoring 50 plus points at home, and then you go, wait a minute, you know, and and that would have been something we talked about in the off season, it seemed like a no brainer, right? But for me personally, I was like, uh, no, I didn't really, I don't remember really covering that or, or or noting that, but now they kept the streak alive. So yeah, I mean, it's just been a wild start, like I said. But I guess from the sidelines, you, you talk about. Um, you talk about injuries on the defense. Um, I don't know from from a defensive standpoint. Any of these new guys, you know, anybody that that stood out to you, anybody that you're kind of excited for. I guess you know as they kind of grow into these roles. 
Yeah, I mean, Jordan Brooks is the, is the answer. that He's a no-brainer right there. I mean, he, he's somebody that I think has a chance to be really, really good. And, and I think all Big 12 good. I, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not what he is right now, um, and he's making plenty of mistakes. He's not surrounded by a ton, but I think he's got, you know, lots of potential. He's probably the only one – that if you weren't in a in a numbers game with where you are, with your lack of stability at coordinator, and just needing bodies and needing guys to play, he's the only one that you would have normally seen play as a true freshman. Does that make sense? Whereas Absolutely. these other guys, yeah, these other guys, okay, we need we need bodies. Uh, they're they're not. It's not that they're just worlds better than what we have, but we we just need guys to play. But but Jordan is just I mean he he fits he looks the part he's what you want you just need a lot more of him you need you need he needs some help around him but yeah he's the, he's the brightest of the bright spots uh, early on and he again he hasn't been perfect and the bar is somewhat low but yeah I think he's got a tremendous future ahead of him I just I, I as I said I hope that some of the redshirt defensive linemen come along and uh, and that you know you get some of these DBs to I think Kevin Moore's got a bright bright future too. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right, well, last question because I know you got to get to football practice. Uh, you know, you have Coach Cliff on the weekly show. I know you guys will do that again tomorrow night. Uh, you know, I guess what's the vibe been from Coach? Obviously, everybody kind of took week two pretty tough. Uh, but it, I don't know. It seems like he's pretty calm, cool, and collected and tries to, you know, stay consistent with, with what he says to you guys. I and mean, what, what's the vibe been that, that, that you've gotten from Coach Kingsbury this, so far this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Matt. To, to be honest, he he has said to me, you know, hey, we we just got to be better. I mean, there there is no excuses for some of these things. We've got to be better, but he can't, you know, in his position, you can't you can't freak out, you can't panic. You, you've got to remain positive, and you also have to let your guys on defense know, and, and your coaches included, that you have their back, that you're behind them, and and yes, you can tell them off to the side. Fellas, get it together. We've got to be better. But you know, at the same time, you, you know they've got to they've got to know that you support them. And so it's it's been a still a positive vibe. I just think too, you, you score fifty five points, you score the you know you score fifty nine points. You should you should be uh, you know winning games by a larger margin than than what we're seeing right now. But that's just the that's the way this team's built right now. So we'll uh, we'll kind of see see what uh, what's on the horizon, but. You know, the, the, the game coming up that I'm fascinated by, because you're, you're going to beat Kansas. It may not be pretty, but Kansas Yeah, you State feel confident is, there. Yeah, exactly. And, and you played them close, unfortunately, and, and several times in recent years to where it hasn't looked great. But you, the Kansas State game is really the one where if you can get that one with, with back-to-back home games coming up after that, then, then I think you really could maybe go on a bit of a roll. But if you don't get that one, you're not real sure what you are just yet. Uh, and you knew when you left the field in Tempe, Arizona, it was going to be until Manhattan, Kansas, that you really got a chance to test yourself again. And, you, you know, again, if you don't get that win, and you don't always go play well in Manhattan. And they've got eight starters back on defense. Uh, and so they'll, they'll be tough. But that, that's when you'll learn a lot more about your team one way or the other. And I don't know what you're going to find out just then. You said it. Well, we we appreciate it, Level. That's kind of the the, the the beautiful and the ugly thing of these premier out of conference matchups, right? Um, you you lose them, and your season is in question. You, you win them, and everybody's on the bandwagon. It's it's uh it's we'll go it's going down this season. So 
um, you know, we'll, they'll, we'll just have to see how they kind of play after this bye week. But got the early bye week in Kansas, so like you said, hopefully they, they get that momentum. Enjoy football practice, and uh, we appreciate all you do. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you, brother. So once again, yeah, I just wanted to thank Level so much for, for taking a couple minutes. I know he's always really busy to, to give us some time to talk about his thoughts on the season so far. And uh, I guess first, Matt, just just your kind of general thoughts on, on things through through three weeks, where you think this team's at, just, just overall, just kind of whatever comes to you, just with your thoughts on, on this football team so far. Yeah, you know, maybe not a lot of new stuff. You know, we do these weekly. You know, they're they're doing two Matador reports a week now. So, you know, I, I we knew level was pretty high on Jordan Brooks. Um, but you know, I like to hear some of the things about you know just his thoughts on Kingsbury and and, and you know the mm-hmm. the answers to to some of my questions in that regard. Um, but uh, again, you know, I think that just coming into the season you 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 have an off season where there is some change and and there are some expectations for a coach going into another year um and and hopefully taking more steps and and seeing what the team can be that you know you you build up so many expectations and then after 3 games you know you're 2 and 1 you have one of the best offenses in the country and again I'm I don't know it, 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 I struggle with how to you know I guess paint the picture and and I think that's where level was kind of saying I, I hope yeah. you know I hope I said that right is that you know I agree with him there's historically this offense is I think you and I touched on this a few weeks back but historically this offense could go down as one of the very best to to do it in Lubbock yep and um you know for the time being I I just think the the diehards are the ones that are on redraidersports.com so sure. while they respect that I think you know they're they're focused on the defense and hey why can't we get that fixed so you know I see I see everyone's side here but I if we could all just pump the brakes a minute and just see you know just how incredible some of these numbers are from Mahomes in the offense. I think if they can get Felton in there, um, start to get him to wiggle around some more. I mean, he had a great yards per carry average. I believe and, it was like just, seven and a half. Yeah, he, yeah, like he just looked very comfortable. Again, I know it's La Tech. I don't want to overreact to the one game, but if they can start feeding them the ball, I mean, I think you did see a, a – I, I, I don't want to call it a concentrated effort to run the ball, but you just saw more opportunity for those guys. And right. uh, that's that's what they do is they make plays in space. And I just think from a, a comfort and a vision standpoint, it looked like uh, it looked like Felton had the, the quick bursts and he knew when to, uh, you know, when to wait and, and when to go. And, and it just resulted in a lot of production. It absolutely did. And I think as far as, you know, my thoughts, I guess first – this offense, the thing that that really just just really kind of sticks with me every time I watch them play, even even whenever they were sloppy against SFA, or even when they weren't playing extremely well against Arizona State at times, whenever they're kind of getting things rolling, it, it it's still kind of so jarring to see how kind of effortless it is for them. If that makes sense. Sure. You know, I, I just think that whenever they're rolling, it wouldn't matter who, for, for, for the most part. Obviously, I think you get to some of the more talented defenses. I think things change up a little bit. But but I, I think against most defenses they're going to play this year, this offense is, for the most part, as long as you know they're kind of on the same page and they're rolling along, I just don't see anybody slowing them down. And, and it's, it's just so wild to consider the numbers that – Obviously, these receivers are putting up because I believe I looked it up and, and just kind of playing with some stats. I think there are 
eight or nine guys that have over 100 yards receiving through <laughs> through three games. And then I, there are five or six guys that have at least 140, 150 yards, which is just insanity. And you just, you don't ever see anything like that in college football. You just never have. And, and lots of comparisons that this year I think is going to draw. And it just feels pretty eerily similar to, to me anyway, is that 2003 season so far where that 2003 offense for that time just absolutely shredded for the most part, you know, everybody they played, similar to kind of what, what Pat and these guys are doing this year to a different degree and a different time in football, obviously. But I think really what it's going to come down to week to week is how many stops can this defense get? Because as far as playing at home, until somebody stops them from scoring 50, I'm just going to say they're just going to score 50 every week because they've done it eight times in a row right? at home so far. And isn't that the craziest thing in the world? Because I would guess looking back, and I haven't looked back, and it would take some real digging – I mean, I would guess you're getting into territory that some teams have never done anything like that in college football. Yeah, no, we would definitely have to look into that. I know you and I made made note of that a few weeks back, and Level and I just discussed that. I mean, all cards on the table, I had no idea. And then if you think about it from, you know, what do, what do we do on a weekly basis? Well, we write about the team, we talk about the team, we we, we talk talk and talk and talk about the season that's one thing that never came up so shame on us but when you look at it i mean it's impressive i mean it's uh it's it's what you it's what you want out of this offense and again it's going to be boomer bust in every game from here like you said Mm -hmm. at home let's say you don't score 50 let's say you score 40 i mean that's still a lot of points to score if the defense has given up 42 well you know what i mean there's (laughs) that's that's going to be really tough ways to lose but i can guarantee there's going to be you know one or two that are that might be like that and it's just because of the i mean this team is going to live and die off of of this offense they're going to take advantage of holes in the defense and if that results in an 85 yard touchdown well uh you know the defense you, that's the there's like seven points said, get stopped yeah. just yeah, you know, it, and and yeah, we've seen the ins- it's tough to even fathom and, and say out loud, but we've seen that where the defense goes out there, and you're like, okay, well, the other team's going to score again. Um, how much time's left, or whatever? I mean, that's why that's when some of the the armchair quarterbacks come out. In hindsight, it's crystal clear, and oh, you should have done this, or you should have done that. I mean, who knows? Um, but but we'll find out, and I think that. You know, and we're going to talk about it later. But some of these teams around the Big Twelve, they're really kind of showing who they are as well. And so, for sure. it makes you feel—I wouldn't say better about Texas Tech, but it makes you feel like okay, well, you can at least compete in some of these games. And with the home schedule you have, it's not like you know you need to have a, a wake for this team just yet. And, and the thing—the thing I said is—and I know we talked about it for our roundtable this week—is is how have your expectations changed after you know three weeks? And for me. The offense is better. Than, I thought the offense was going to be good, and they were very good last year. But but this offense has a chance to be, you know, all time program offense, like the greatest year you ever have on offense potentially. And I just think with the way that they're going to score on everybody they play in the Big Twelve, based off what I've seen, they will have a chance to win every single game on the schedule. And I think there have been lots of years over the past half decade where you couldn't say that. I just think that it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Oklahoma and Lubbock, it's at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, I think you will have a chance to win all of those games because this offense is is not 
But unless they just they go through some wacky phase where they're just totally out of sync, they're going to put up points on people, and it is just going to simply come down to how does this defense evolve over the last nine games of the year? Because every single season you look at, there are there are there are junctures in the season where uh, a unit takes a turn for better or worse, and things change, and and things will will certainly change with this defense. Uh, and I mean, you hope for better. You, you just don't know what it's going to be, and you don't know how these kids are going to react to the bye week. So, I, I would just say that we we're we're, we're kind of in the business of we all kind of assume that whatever happened that week is what's going to happen the rest of the year a lot of times, and that's just not the case. So it's going to be interesting to me to see what happens with this defense. But but again, the key is I think that it's going to be about them getting key stops which they did, obviously, for sure, against SFA, did against La Tech, even though it was, wasn't was pretty in the second half. They got the stops they needed to get uh, to make that not where you were up by a comfortable margin for the majority of the game. Even late, you were still up by a comfortable margin. So That's um, true. And, and, and I just feel like that's how this, this team's going to play football. And, and I, I've kind of gone back and looked you know, at some other teams. I think this team, while I'm not saying they're going to do what this team did, it very much looks similar to what Auburn kind of did in 2010 so far, where they won a lot of like, and in the SEC, even back then, people weren't scoring near as much. But I mean, they were giving up 35, 40, 33, 36, you know, points all the time to people, but they were scoring 45, 50, 40, you know, 38, and winning games like that with a dynamic guy at quarterback in, in Cam Newton. So. I think don't you, you feel like? Don't you feel like? I, I'm sorry to interrupt, no, but good. don't you feel like? Don't you feel like we could have a whole separate segment on? I mean, we all we ever have to hear about is SEC defense, SEC quality of football, all this stuff. Well, I'm sorry, but I mean, I just watched Alabama give up 43 to yep. Ole Miss, and you know, again, Ole Miss give up 48 to to Alabama. Now I know there were some defensive plays made, and I know they got some bad boys on the those teams i just feel like the narrative is just completely false i mean here you get i mean we're gonna we're gonna get into the big 12 stuff but but just like we said i mean tech goes and look no excuse for what they did against arizona state for sure there's not they they go on they go on the road they go to the west coast they get they get rolled up on you know it wasn't a blowout by any means it was a close game and cliff cliff has said he thought that would be the worst game they played all year and he he said that several times yeah yeah, I mean, I didn't know that, but I guess the the only thing I was going to round that out with is that, you know, it's just, it's all perception, you know, Texas mm-hmm. is the perceived, you know, top whatever team that they were at the time, and they go out there, and those were very similar performances. You had, you had explosive plays from the offense and the offense scoring, but then your defense was also giving up scores at a, at a quick rate too. And when you give up 50 points, you give up 50 points. I mean, I don't, I don't see why schools like a Texas or a Bama get a pass because they shouldn't, they you know, shouldn't at all. The other. Now I know why tech gets singled out and it's because they've had so many different defensive coordinators and all that. And look, giving up 65 is, is pretty bad. Making, you know, one kid a star by scoring eight touchdowns is, is bad. But when you're giving up 50 points and you're losing on the road, I'm sorry, but those are both equally uh, yep. You know, bad losses in my opinion. So that's that's the only thing I wanted to throw out is that yeah, I think 
you know, it is what it is with the tech uh, tech defense. They're, they're going to have limitations at certain positions. But if the offense can score and the defense can at least, you know, you have to look at it one of two ways. Either the defense can improve a little or be advantageous a little bit more later this season with more turnovers. and Which they didn't do, which I think, bit. which they haven't done yet, really, which I think is, is something that you expect to happen at some point. Well, and even I think a big swing play or a big event in the Law Tech game when you're talking about defense, well, you know, Mahomes and the offense, they were just dominant in that first half. I mean, that was crisp. I said maybe the best half I've ever seen a Tech offense play. Yeah, except, right, except what I was going to say is late in in the second quarter, almost before halftime, they've got first and goal from like the three, maybe even the two. It's at the two. Yeah, it's at the two. They didn't even run the ball. So, I mean, they they end up with a field goal, whereas you know they could well, have missed really, field goal. They missed I mean, it, and, yeah. and a missed field goal, right? Um, sorry, but but yeah, I mean, so then that I think honestly that that made the score look a lot closer than it was. It it did, and Cliff Cliff said uh, all week whenever people asked him about it that 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 it was his fault, and he was trying to get cute with the play call and first down, and Pat takes a, a big sack, you know, obviously because. They went with some play action stuff when when they had the box loaded. It didn't work out, and and Cliff said, you know, he was trying to get too cute with the play call. Should have just run it. So, um, but but yeah, you know, if and I've, that's what I've said. If it's forty two to ten, you know, going into that half, you know, does does La Tech roll over and just say whatever? Because it's it's very different for them going into the half thirty five seventeen and getting the ball to start the second half. One hundred percent. So, so yeah, it, it's just different. But but but. I know we've kind of talked about just defense in general, so that's we can kind of trans, transition into you know our, our next topic, which we wanted to talk about defense and defense in the Big Twelve, but also just kind of you know defense in college football right now, which which obviously, like you said, you know Ole Miss has given up forty three, uh, Texas gives up fifty, OU you know gives up I think it was forty five forty eight whatever it was to Ohio State, um, and and I just think that 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 in this day and age, in the last two or three years. People just kind of look at the the numbers that these defenses are giving up, and they want to pull their hair out. And I, I guess my point is, I think people need to kind of reframe and sit down and reevaluate their thought process on what defense is in college football now, because I think everybody, for the most part, except for some some holdouts that that's, that have the talent to to run pro style offenses. Everybody is running some form of a spread offense in in some type of way. Every single Big Twelve school is running a spread offense. Even even Kansas State's is a spread offense. So it, everybody is running spread offenses that are built to naturally get the ball to players in space, which is going to mean that teams are at times, at least between the twenties, are going to roll up yards on you at times, and that's just going to kind of be how it is. So. I, I just think that numbers have changed a lot in the last half decade, even even in the past three years, I think numbers have changed a lot. And instead of looking at the numbers as much, I think you need to look at red zone efficiency, uh, turnover numbers, whenever you, f- you force people to field goals. I think that is the real test of defense in college football today. Because like, like we've talked about, you, you see Texas, who, in my opinion, I think you probably agree, has the most talented defensive roster in the Big 12, goes out and puts up a, a, gets a 50 spot put up on him by, and, and I think Davis is a really good quarterback, but by what's not an offense at Cal that's as good as a lot of them that they're going to play in the Big 12. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it goes back to what we were pointing out last week. I mean, 
we we talked about the preseason uh, polls. We talked about you know how that can affect uh, you know vaulting these teams, and and then obviously Texas being Texas and having that cachet helped. But you know you had the marathon first weekend. Now looking back on it, that was your premier you know Sunday night game. All eyeballs were on it. But now if you look back at that game and you consider what we're talking about, which is the defense, you know, they were at home and, and I don't remember the score off the top of my head, but I want to say it was, you know, it went into With overtime. overtime. I think it was 45-40. This is a guess. I think it was like 45-42, something like It was more than 40 for both teams. Sure. So call it 35 or 38 giving up in regulation. I mean, it's not like that's good. You know, and and so uh, it's it, they didn't get off to a great start, and then Notre Dame's not the team that preseason polls Got thought they were. Rolled over by Michigan State last weekend. Yeah, and and so good credit Texas for winning at home. I never wanted to take anything of that away from them, but then they play again at home the following week, and they play UTEP. So what else do you learn? And then knowing what we knew, and that's why I made the comparison of Tech going to Arizona State. You know, you're you're playing at night. You're on the road for the first time. I mean, a lot of things change, and especially for Texas with youth at quarterback, and then I think he had got dinged up as well. Um, but I, none of those things are an excuse for what happened to their defense. And like you said, I mean, Davis Webb, uh, we know how special Mahomes is, and, and, you know, we're supportive of Webb, but let's be honest. I mean, there are going to be better offenses that he faces, that, you know, excuse me, that Texas faces in the Big 12, yep. with Texas Tech being one of them uh, in Lubbock. So I think that, uh, you know, I think you 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 kind of all your expectations, you know, kind of start to unfold a little bit more and things become a little bit more clear as you see these teams in action. And so, you know, do we want to make snap judgments now after week three or do we want to kind of snip some of these things? For me, that's I just I don't know. We had already talked about that. So you and I got on the phone and I was like, OK, <laughs> yeah, it's like I just I hate that so much. I hate preseason rankings and I hate the fact that, you know, somebody I guess so many people had the audacity to put them as the 11th team in the nation. Which was because, so stupid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Texas is back. Oh, this, that, and the other. Look, as a Texas Tech fan or a Red Raider Sports.com fan, you know that you'd like to have some of the players that they have on defense. Absolutely that doesn't mean would, their yeah. coaching staff is putting it all together. And it, it also, you know, like you said, it speaks to the evolution of some of these offenses. It speaks to the fact that they are becoming, you know, a chameleon. They are becoming less predictive. And, you know, yes, the knock is that, oh, there's only, you know, uh, a handful of variations of these plays and there's no playbook and yada, yada, yada. Well, but it works. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is that, um, Texas has now bought into that on offense and we're riding that wave of, yeah, our offense is, is rolling through two weeks and sure it rolled again in week three, but they lost. So, um, they're, they're going to, I think that they're going to continue to have struggles on defense, uh, against some of the better teams in conference and some of the teams that can stretch the field. And whether that's Baylor, Oklahoma state, Texas tech, Oklahoma, TCU, I mean, we'll, we'll find out. Um, but again, I, I could see them, I could see them dropping at least a couple games based on what I saw on TV. I mean, I don't think their defense is going to magically change uh, over the next couple of weeks. And you know what, what the most, the most intriguing team for me to watch this year as we get into big 12 play, because I don't, I don't think that, that OU, Oklahoma state, TCU tech or Texas, none of them have played good, good defense to this point. And in fact, most of them have played bad defense to this point. But the one team 
through the first couple weeks of the year that has played really good defense has been Kansas State. And I mean, like, played really good defense because they wrangled Stanford in. Uh, and and as bad as they played on offense against Stanford, they had a chance to win that game late in the fourth quarter. So it's going to be interesting for to me to watch Kansas State and see what they do because if they're the one team that can really play defense in this conference, which I think they might be able to because they are pretty talented and they have eight returners back and have a bunch of guys on that side of the ball, if they can figure it out on offense, I wonder if they don't become kind of the dark horse team for the league as they've freaking done for the last freaking decade for whatever, you know? So I guess the last two decades, but um, it's going to be interesting to watch them in West Virginia and how things evolve for them because they're the only two teams to me anyway, that are playing any kind of defense so far. So that'll be interesting to me. But, but I guess too, kind of what my point is, is if you're Texas tech and as good as your offense has played and, and you see, obviously I think, Oh, you play in Ohio state. You just saw them get beat up by a team that is way better than them and is one of the top two, three teams in the entire country, you know, in my opinion, as far as talent goes, everything like that. But I don't know. I don't know if this is the best time to mention it, but someone on the podcast chose them to win the national championship, and yep. another person on the podcast chose another school. I can't remember. There's another three-letter acronym. LSU. Maybe LSU? Correct. Oh, yeah. That's, that's who yeah. it was. Yeah, we're going to go I ahead and slide those on know. under the uh, – <laughs> Under the, I'm gonna go ahead and slide that prediction under the table. So we're just we're just not gonna talk about that. And uh, R.I.P. Less. That's all I gotta say about that whole deal. But, but I, I guess the point the point is though is nobody's playing defense. Nobody can cover anybody downfield. So what does that say for what Texas Tech can do against some of these teams in Big Twelve play? Because I think they could keep putting up the similar numbers they could even. As crazy as this sounds against teams like Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and TCU, because I just don't think any of those teams are going to play defense. So as crazy as it sounds, my expectations are the, about the same as what they were in the preseason, you know, 8-4, and 9-3. But I think this is going to be a thing where they're in every game. And if you got a lot of breaks, it could be a, a, a big year. Sure. And if you're a fan, I mean, isn't that what you want? You want to be in every For game? Sure. I mean, it's what... You're you're still what two or three years removed from the the eighty two spot and where the you had no sixty six to yep. whatever Oklahoma State game. I mean, so yeah, I mean, you want to put some of that in your rear view, and you know, having someone like Pat, like we said, I mean, we'll continue to beat that horse. You know, every week, you know, he's gonna put you in games, and so uh, you got to use that while you have that. And and I guess the the intention or the overall idea is that. You know, there are a lot of new pieces on defense this year. There are going to be injuries. And, you know, some of these guys are just going to get better with experience because they're true freshmen or this is their first year on the D1 level. So um, if you can get some of that to come together, here's the bottom line. Look at the home schedule, right? If you you get through, uh, you win the bye week and you you get through and and you get it all together. Let's say you beat Kansas, you're three and one. You go on the road against Kansas, and that's kind of that's the big swing game for the first half of the year for me. Absolutely, and and I know you know we talked about this, and you said 
you know, find a way to win that game, you know, get that momentum. And then you have West Virginia who, you know, we know that they're doing some good things. We still don't know who they are. Um, and Especially they're coming on to, offense, yeah. Yeah, they're coming to Lubbock, and all of the games against the Mountaineers have been competitive ever since they've joined the league. So you have them at home, and then you get OU at home, and you get Texas at home. So, I I mean, if if there's a year to take advantage of, of the, the – the opportunity as built uh, with with Mahomes to to score points and do it that way, then I think that's how they're going to have to do it. And you know, it, it's just funny to me because, like you said, and like we've seen, I think all credit to Ohio State. I think they were they OU was just outclassed for sure. Uh, but how does this affect them moving forward? And how you know two things? I mean, right? How does OU respond, and how does Texas respond? Um, we we still don't know. I mean, it's it's only week three, so we could have this conversation a month from now. And those guys have gone on a run, and they've gained some more you know national perception, momentum, ranking, what have you. But the Big Twelve, let's be honest, the the odds of them being in any serious conversation for a top four spot, those are those are gone. You know, uh, there's, As there's of today, really nothing they can do. Yeah, I, I think what what's going to have to happen for the Big Twelve to get back in the conversation is there's in the other Power Five conferences, there's going to have to be a lot of teams that that win their league at like ten and two or nine and three, like like I think what you kind of think may happen, which has kind of been that year, you know, that and everybody always kind of references two thousand seven as kind of the you know wacky voodoo year where everybody lost a bunch of games and nobody, I think. LSU won the national championship at ten and two that year, so I mean it, it might be one of those years. So right now, yeah, I would agree that the Big Twelve is out of the playoff race, but 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 we'll see at the end of the year. And, and I think a lot of that, as crazy as it sounds now, or I think as crazy as it sounded before the season, not now. Houston is basically a win away if they can beat Louisville in that game, that that non conference game later on this year. I mean, they're probably a shoe in for the playoff, right? Dude, did you watch Louisville and Florida State at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. Louisville is a walking death machine, right? Yeah, now. they're they're the real deal, man. Lamar Jackson, that was impressive. That's the first time I've watched them. Um, but yeah, I mean, so th- the reason I point that out is I don't think that's going to be any easy game for them. But they've taken care of business, so you have to respect what they're doing. And uh, they got another commitment tonight. Another kid I really like. Um, so they're. They're doing it their way, and and you ha- you can't argue with the the results right now. Um, they have a really good quarterback of their own in Houston, and you know with what they've already brought brought into the program recruiting wise, they're they're having a lot of success. So um, that that will be the big game for them, and and we'll see. But I mean, that's another thing with preseason rankings, right? Doesn't it? I mean, look, Florida State's Florida State. They're they're probably just loaded with five star, four star future NFL oh, guys. Yeah. I I get it, right? But let's let's say that they're the Texas of the state of Florida, for example. You know, they they come in and and they were ranked and they have a good team. You know, not to say they haven't been ranked and all that, but they're starting a brand new quarterback and they they finished last year with a loss to Houston in the bowl game. Oh, but you know what, guys, coming into this season. We think they're the top. We think they're the number four team in the nation. Are you kidding me? I mean, how does that? How do people? How do people put their name on that and say it's this is this is you know officially my sure. preseason ranking? You know, like why? It, it's the same people that, and, and I will be honest. I kind of did it a little bit too, just because I thought maybe they can get it going. 
But it's the same as that big, is there got this big push about two weeks before the season started. All these people said, TCU, dark horse, playoff dark horse, TCU going to win the Big 12, going to do all this. And they can't stop anybody on defense again. And they got all those guys back, and, and, it, and it hasn't mattered so far. And on offense, it's been pretty inconsistent. And, and while they've scored on, on teams, that whole Arkansas thing, they didn't score on them at all until late in the fourth quarter. So it was, I mean, that, that's a prime example of it. I mean, with, with OU, I think everyone very vastly underrated them losing all those pieces on defense. When you think about, you know, a guy like Charles Tapper who's playing, you know, defensive end for the Cowboys, they lost several other of those front seven guys. They lost Zach Sanchez in their, in their secondary. So it, it's just, I think Oklahoma lost a lot more defensively than they thought. And, and I think we're very much seeing with Oklahoma that Baker Mayfield without Sterling Shepard is kind of lost in the woods as far as a receiver to throw to because he, there's just nobody that can stick out at all for them. Their offensive line hasn't played well. So it's just like that. I think OU is a prime example that people in, in our profession, I think, people just get lazy and they just say, well, they should be good, so we'll pick them. And, and it's stupid because it creates false perceptions of what teams should be before the season starts, which is, I know we've talked about it a lot, I don't think you should be able to have a, a poll until week four. So Yeah, but what, I mean, going back to our conversation, what Louisville did to Florida State, that's not a bad week, Right. And it was, yeah, it, it, you know, you can't, oh, it's on the road, bad week. No, you got whooped. I mean. Oh, that's a straight up, like, that's that's a woodshedding, as I call them. Yeah, and so that was eye-opening to me because, I don't know, I mean, that, it, I, I, I'll i say it till I'm blue in the face, but I hate preseason rankings because they can make a hero out of a zero, and then before long, if the schedule's right, it just junks up everything in the end, in my opinion, and so. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, a lot of the schools that are there, they absolutely deserve it. So it's not some crisis. Uh, but when you look throughout the top 25, I mean, for better or for worse, Oklahoma's still ranked after being one and two. So it just kind of makes you say, okay, I mean, what's, what yeah. are we doing here? Like, what's the point of this? It's because, and, and I mean, and you know, this blue bloods are just going to get the benefit of the doubt. And it's, it's the reason why Texas jumped from unranked to 11th after beating Notre Dame at home, whereas, think about this, I think if, if Texas Tech is hosting Notre Dame season opener Sunday night in Lubbock, and they beat them in that kind of game, people, you know what people say? They say, well, Texas Tech always plays good offense and got just enough stops on defense, so that, that makes sense they'd win a game like that. And if you get in the poll, where is it? Like 22, 21, maybe, you know, something like that. So I think it just has to do so much with perception of what a program they think is supposed to be. So... I, again, I I think we're you and I are obviously on the same page and, and think rankings shouldn't come into play until week four or five. You know, whenever the playoff committee does it, you know, like they should. So, um, so yeah, it, it's just it's just been uh been been a, been a really weird season to start off with, where I think lots of people have looked very stupid. So, uh, before we get out of here, anything else you want to riff on or or or, or uh, spit hot fire about? No, I know I said uh, for for any of the folks listening tomorrow night in Houston on uh, on the Cube, uh, Adrian Fry and uh, his Eisenhower teammates are going to be playing, so you can check him out. And um, and yeah, I mean uh, that's all I've got extra. But uh, you know we 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 faced the bye week, so hopefully we hopefully did. this entertaining enough to get us through another week. And uh, next week we'll talk to our guys at Jayhawk Slant and. 
take a closer look at the the Jayhawks, but uh, the the last the last time I saw them on Saturday, they were getting their own wood shedding from Memphis. So I don't know it's, how it's things rough are times going in, in Jayhawk country, man. But yeah. So, oh, but on that note, I guess is where we'll end this yeah. thing. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, once again, guys, hope you guys have a great bye weekend. Go out, do whatever you want with uh, your free time. Good weekend to uh please your significant other i would guess so uh Ooh, you know provocative well not not in that well i guess that way but not in that way you know make sure. them, make them happy make them uh sometimes you you know you need need to uh take care of business and i'm going to shut up at this point so uh so yeah <laughs> you you guys have been listening to the victory bells podcast i'm will he's matt hope you guys have a fantastic bye weekend see ya